Welcome to Drinks at Work by Boothby with Sam Bygrave. That's me. This is a show about building creative and rewarding careers in and around the world of drinks. And today I'm talking to James Young. James is the founder of Old Young's, a small WA distillery in the Swan Valley that makes gin and vodka. And it's one which has racked up a number of big accolades since they started in 2016. In 2017 and 2018, they were named Champion Australian Distiller at the highly regarded Australian Distilled Spirits Awards. Full disclosure here, I was the head judge for the awards there from 2017 to 2019. I'm still involved as a judge. And more recently, just the other week in fact, at the Icons of Gin Awards in London, Old Young's was named both the Craft Producer of the Year and the Brand Innovator of the Year for their Old Young's Juniper Society, which is a monthly subscription product that came about during the darker days of the pandemic. To give you an idea of what it's all about, the first release for the program was called Fuck COVID. So, in this episode, James shares some very interesting thoughts about the costs involved in opening a distillery and what it might take to do it today. How, and more importantly, why he set up a distillery despite having no background in the discipline. The importance of making products with a reason for being, which can be applied not just to spirits, but to the bar world as well. And their efforts, which are underway right now, to find the next phase of the brand through the virtual platform and crowdsource funding. Their stretch target, as James talks about here, is $3 million. And when I last looked this morning, it looks like they're pretty much on their way there. Before we get into it though, I just want to remind you that you can subscribe to the Boothby newsletter at boothby.com.au. I send three emails a week straight to your inbox. And while I'm asking you things, if you'd like to rate the podcast in your player of choice, that would help to spread the word and keep this podcast going. And if you'd like to leave a review, whether that's good or bad, on Apple Podcasts, I'll read them out. Okay, so let's get into it now. Here's my talk with James Young. James Young, thanks for joining me on Drinks at Work from Boothby. Sam, it is an absolute pleasure to be here. Uh, you've been a very busy guy of late. I, you know, I saw that you were over in London. You went there for a night to pick up an award. But before we get into that, uh, James Young of Old Youngs, can you tell us the origin story about the brand and how it came to life? Sure, mate. Look, it's 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 pretty basic in in lots of ways. Um, this goes back about ten years, and um, me and my brother um, sitting having a gin, which wasn't unusual for us at the time, and. Uh, one of us said to the other, and we still don't really remember who it was, um, said, do you know what we should do? We should make gin in gin gin, and then we can call it gin gin gin. And honestly, that's why I'm talking to you today, right? So that's, so that's tiny- gin gin is a place in WA. It is. It's a, yeah, so there's yeah. two gin gins, one, one in Queensland, one in uh, WA. The one in WA is all one word. Um, and, yeah, so it's um, – it's a place we used to drive past when I was a kid. Mum and dad had a kind of dodgy little fibro shack up the coast and uh, Gin Gin was a time marker. You are either an hour out of Perth when you went past Gin Gin or it was an hour from home on the way back. And so mm. that name was there in my head and it only took 30 years to surface and <laughs> actually say maybe you should do make some gin there. So not claiming I'm uh, super quick on the uptake on these things, but, yeah, that was literally the idea and that that – little gin, 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 bug, like knocking at the back of my head was enough for me to go, what would it take to set up a gin distillery? And I have a horrendously bad habit of this, of going, oh, I think I'll do this. Like I've just <laughs> finished like running a graphic design agency, which again, I had no experience in. I think I'll move to Lithuania and coach the national women's hockey team. Like this is, this is me in a nutshell. I could see that leap. I've, yeah, it's obvious, right? Yeah, and then come back and work in advertising and then go into sports marketing. So, like, um, I, I do have this bad habit of, like, career tangents. And so 
this idea of making gin sort of really started to come together when I started to look and say, look, I think the idea of this name of Gin 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 is good. It's, it's three words, one word three times, but I thought mm. there was enough there. And then to look and say, hey, this career, and this remember this is 10 years ago, um, yeah. this, this industry is just so, showing some green shoots and potential to do what craft beer did 20 years ago and what boutique wine did 40 years ago. Um, mm. And so it felt like there was an idea there and the timing wasn't bad. And so that's when I kind of started looking at, well, what would it take to start this? So, yeah, that's literally th- those three words um, are what started me on, on the journey. Right. And that, so that's about what you said 10 years ago. So that's around the time that I think Four Pillars might have launched around that time. I think it said, before Four Pillars, mate. Yeah, I, I reckon um, – West Winds would have been around? West Winds, I reckon, would have just started. Yes, so yeah. I got really excited when uh, West Winds – I actually originally had a bottle of Trade Winds gin when they when they first started as Trade Winds. Um, right. And then they, I think they got a, a letter from someone saying, you can't do that one. Um, <laughs> I wish I still had the bottle, but uh, I did – I was so excited that there was a locally made gin that um, I went straight out and bought it. Um, mm. But, yeah, I mean, realistically, back then you, you're talking about – uh, West Winds might have just started, and uh, then yeah, there wasn't there wasn't too many other people out there. That maybe like Phil Moore might have started. Um, but yeah, yeah, there weren't yeah, well, too he, many. Yeah, I think he'd been doing it for a while. Yeah, um, but so uh, 2016 is when the first gin comes out. Is that it? 2014 is when I quit my job and said I'm going to go make gin. So right. that's when I um, walked into a board meeting and said, I've got a great five-year plan for you, but you're going to need someone else to do it. That was the day I was meant to be appointed <laughs> CEO. And uh, and I said, um, actually, I'm going to go make gin. And, uh, yeah, the, they looked at Did me they said, feel like they dodged a bullet? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, the best thing was um, I said to them, look, I'd been acting in the role for three months and then um, I said to them, look, I've just signed a lease on a on a mothballed distillery in the valley, so you can do what me with me what you want. Like if you want me to go and pack my desk, I'll do it. But what I think you should do is still give me the job, and I'll do it for six months while I get all the licenses lined up and everything. But it was the greatest thing ever because when when you know you've got six months, it's sort of like um, like you know a relate when you know a relationship's going to end because the person's going away or whatever. You can just absolutely just go hell for leather because little things that annoy you don't have to annoy you because you're just like, this has got an end date, right? So I was like that guy, just like, I'm going to do everything. Like, I'm going to, if it's a good (laughs) idea, we're doing it. If it's a bad idea, I'm just saying, no, I don't give a shit if it's unpopular. Um, Like, said yes to a lot of things, got got rid of a lot of bad ideas and um, had a hell of a lot of fun. And that was the, that was the sticking point, I guess, was that um, having a conversation with my wife saying, and her saying, look, so do you like this job? And I was like, yes. And do you think you're any good at it? And I was thinking, no, I like I'm actually quite enjoying this. And mm. like the pay was all right and it was around the corner and I got a car and we had a yeah. one-year-old. So um, <laughs> it was this, and so you are going to quit, go cold turkey and just go make gin. And yeah. I was like, at the time, it felt like the most natural thing in the world. And I think 10 years later, I kind of think, Man, they're like, what was I thinking? Um, but I think deep down that was the point. I think that was I knew that if I didn't step off that cliff then, then yeah. potentially, and I'm sure you'd relate to this, like um, that 
if I didn't make that call to go out and do something on my own, that I was worried that in five years' time I might not have that uh, courage to do it anymore. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it was a, a big step for me, but I think I knew deep down that I had to do it, um, which is wanky, but, like, it, it just really felt like it was the right thing to do. Well, and there's no guarantee of any sort of success or anything. This is not like no. you've, you've uh, <laughs> you, you don't even come from hospitality. You you don't, because, no. you know, bartenders might be like, well, I've worked with spirits. I've got an idea here. Uh, how did you go about equipping yourself with the knowledge to, uh, to make the stuff? Because it wasn't too long after uh, the brand was launched that you started picking up some serious accolades. Yeah. Um, and they're pretty life-changing, some of those things, but- um, Uh, look, I think I had three or four things going in my favor, but it realistically, it was just pretty naive to, to just think I could step off that cliff. But, um, I, I had a bit of chemistry background from uni. I had some marketing background from, um, working in advertising and design, um, Mm. I'm definitely sort of a, a proud amateur chef, um, so love love to cook and love to, to cook for people, but probably as much like like looking at the cupboard when it's pretty bare and going, do you know what, yeah. noodles and kimchi and cream cheese will work together and, um, and putting flavours <laughs> together in my head. Um, so yeah. I think all of those things sort of helped. Um, but yeah, look, I, I went. I spent a bit of time, or quite a lot of time, in other people's distilleries, just uh, learning um, and talking to people and listening a lot, and um, mm. doing my own research. But then also just going out. So we launched in May 2016, but I, I walked away and for, and went full time into doing this in August 2014. So I had about 18 months, almost probably what 21 21 months of yeah. running this old mothballed distillery under the old name and realistically like learning my craft, making my mistakes quietly um, right. and yeah, developing all the recipes so that when I put the sign up for old youngs, that was who I wanted to be. I didn't, I didn't put the sign up till I guess I was ready. Right. Okay. How did you know when you were ready? When I felt I had some good juice um, yeah. and when I, and actually, because look, um, and getting and when I knew I had my story too, um, so one of the best things ever for me was um, because I was one man band at this stage. So I was making everything, distilling everything, labeling everything, packaging everything, signing everything. But for the yeah. first forty five thousand bottles, I still signed every single one, and yeah. um, and numbered and put the batch number and all of that stuff so um did all of that but i also on saturdays and sundays stood behind the counter in the tasting room and talked to people about booze and so there's no better way to learn about what other people want but also how to talk about your own spirit than Mm. to do that to just talk about your product day in day out and you you learn little like lines that you know get a laugh and you and it becomes (laughs) a little bit of a show but it, what yeah. you're doing is you're developing all of those tools so that you can really tell a story about your product. And so that that, that 18 months was um, learning not just about what I wanted to make but what people wanted to hear. And right. so then so I didn't just have – and I was pretty proud of my juice by that stage, but um, it was also knowing how to talk about it. Um, 
I'll, I'll give you a real quick example that like yeah. I was mentoring someone, which is wild when you think about it. Like I've been doing this for <laughs> six, seven years and I've been mentoring, mentoring people for four or five, but someone yeah. came to me and said, um, look, I've got a new gin. I want you to have a look at. And I said, tell me about it. And he said, it's my main gin. Right. Okay, mm. great. Tell me about it. So no, 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 this is going to be my main gin. Right. Okay. Now yeah. go away, come back. Tell me like, Give me a story. Like, tell me it's your Desert Island gin or tell me it's your 5 p.m. on a Wednesday gin or tell me it's your 11 p.m. solve the problems of the world gin, but tell me something. Tell me it's your, your, your guzzling on Rottnest Island gin, but, like, yeah. give me something that I can relate to and get excited about. Don't tell me it's your main gin. So I think yeah. you've got to – developing those, that, that story was just so important for, for each product. And what was that story for you? Um, good question. So, and it's evolved over time. Like I think to me, each product had a story when I started, but it's taken, it's actually taken me six years or seven years to realize that this, it's not just each product has a story, but old Young's has a story too. Um, and it's been really revealing for me in the last couple of years to go, actually, we have a way we do things. And so for me, it's, it's something kind of that has idea. revealed itself, right? It's yeah, not- almost like it, it's, <laughs> it, it's maybe I'm again, maybe I'm a slow learner, but it's been there since day one. But actually, being able to quantify it is, um, is pretty exciting for me. And well, uh, when you've been so the, in the business, right? Like you said, you're doing yeah. everything, you're at the coalface, you don't necessarily have that reflection time. No, no, <laughs> um, I will catch up on sleep eventually. Um, but so for us, what, what I learned is that at the old young's way is creativity with, um, with purpose and passion, right? That's the yeah. way I define us now. So, and that creativity was always there. Um, the, the passion was always there and the purpose was always there too. It's this idea that like um, I always used to be a little bit embarrassed by the fact, like I went into distilling to make gin and then we made we made a couple of vodka products that have gone a little bit ballistic and uh, <laughs> we'll probably talk about Pav later. But um, yeah. like this idea that, um, okay, if we're going to make a flavour of vodka, make it with a purpose. Why are you going to drink it? Why does, why does a bartender want to see it? What's, gonna, what's the reason behind it? Not just mm. no one's made a blueberry gin or no one's made a, Christ, the the pro- proliferation of wine gins, and I'm going to piss off someone with this, but, um, <laughs> like, I don't give a shit that you made a GSM gin compared to someone else's Shiraz gin or yeah. someone else's Tariga gin or someone else's Merlot gin. Like, I don't care. Like, is it a good product? Like, but mm. um, so. But what's the point of it, right? Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, just because it's that like it's it's well it's not Shiraz it's Merlot well I don't care um sure like tell me tell me why I want to drink it tell me the time I want to drink it I mean that's why I think like Four Pillars Bloody Shiraz is genius because they created something new they they took some they were from a wine region it made sense they had a wine background they used a a a byproduct and and created something pretty amazing and I think that's the and all power to them because they they created something new, and I think that's really exciting. Um, I've got to off topic here, but um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> I forgot my initial question. <laughs> <laughs> I Sorry think to anyone been, listening, this. I think we were talking about uh, you know you were talking about the old young's way and what your story was. How were you refining that 
in yeah. those early days and how, because how, how's it changed? Well, I think that it's that, it's been that revelation that it's not just I have a story for the product, it's I have a story for the brand. And that, that revelation has been, I think the big one for me was uh, COVID probably when um, we got, I don't want to delve too deep into COVID because everyone had so many different experiences of that. And I know that yeah. in Hospo that's been a particularly traumatic experience. But um, it, for us, we didn't know what was going to happen. And my take was I, I don't want to put my head in the sand and go la, 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 la and hope it was going to be okay. Mm. So kind of doubled down and said, like, we're going to make more booze. Um, I didn't know how to make sanitizer. I didn't want to make sanitizer. And I'm, in the end, I'm glad I didn't because we just said, look, we're going to focus on what we do, which is making good booze. Yeah. And that's kind of the start of it. So that's when we launched Juniper Society and said, right, we're going to make a brand new gin every month forever. Now, that's a pretty yeah. gutsy call and that's been a lot of fun and it's kept us on our toes and it's been phenomenal for our business, right? And not, this is this not, is your – it's like a subscription business, right? Yeah, yeah, Netflix but gin is the way we describe it. But, um, <laughs> like, so, yeah, $59, we make a brand new gin that you cannot buy, even in our tasting room, right? Um, mm. And we send it out to members. Very first one's called Fuck COVID, right? It was 60%. <laughs> the theory was if you didn't like it, you could wash your hands in it. It was basically filled with pepperberry and chili and rage and like this right. much ginseng to make it all better, right? Um, as my placebo. Filled with choice. rage. But, oh, <laughs> I it was that. like, I'm so proud of that gin because I managed to make a really angry gin taste good. Um, but of course, like, there was only like 300 members when we did it. It's the only gin we announced before we sent it out to, right. to get some members. But of course, everyone's in lockdown, so everyone drank it. Um, yeah. and so I reckon that you'd be lucky if there's a dozen full bottles out there in the world. Um, yeah, I don't right. have a full bottle. Right. Um, and so, yeah, so we did that. And then off the back of that, we, we finally launched Gin 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 because we said if we, if we don't do it now, we never will. But then we, then for my sins, we opened Old Young's Kitchen and started a, a hospitality business. Now, as you said, that's not my background. And so... Mm. But what I did learn was even though I wasn't the person uh, saying, look, this is what a shift looks like and this is how many chefs we need in the kitchen, this is how many casuals and how many part-times and how many full-times and this is the exact training we need for our front of house and all of those things or, yeah, man, just the, the crap that I learned about like just for three months looking at every other restaurant's plates and cutlery and stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but this <laughs> time I'll never get back. But um, uh <laughs> What I did learn is we started applying this old Young's way. Like there's got to be a sense of humour to it. It's got to be in irreverent but intelligent, right? So it's not just, hey, we're, we're, we're bombastic and just doing stupid shit for the, for the sake of it, which I applaud, by the way. I love people who do that. But, um, uh, but that's not our way. Like we, we, right. we, if we do something, it can be silly, but silly for a reason. So yep. um, like there's always got to be a sense of humour about, what we do, like, I mean, our, you, you've eaten there. Our, our, our food mm. it can be, it's sort of, it's casual but high end, which is sort of an odd combo. But on the back of the menu, there's what the fuck is that? So you don't feel challenged by, well, what's garum, right? Yeah. Um, or what's yesterday's bread or whatever. Like, so. Um, you, you're not talked down to there. Yeah, well, yeah, we try to, so that's, yeah, so it's, it's not trying to dumb it down, but still trying to, like, um, I th 
I think one I heard Tim mention once say that like um, when he writes a show or or, or uh, has a joke, like he wants people to come out of that show saying that was bloody funny and Tim's hilarious and what a good looking bloke, blah blah blah. But um, <laughs> they, he also wants them to go away and look up one thing. Like yeah, I didn't ironically. quite get that joke, like, yeah. and so that. That sort of that a little bit of intelligence along with the irreverence, I think, is a really goes a really long way, and that's that's become our calling card. And with everything we do now, it's that that becomes a cornerstone of well, how does old youngs do this? And that's become really important to us. Yeah, can we talk a bit about the sort of um, you don't have to be specific in, in this, and uh, this would have changed uh, in the time since you started up, but like, what does it sort of cost? to set up a distillery, set up a brand um, in ballpark figures because we're going to talk in a second about you're in the middle of a, a fundraising round to mm. to grow the brand further. So for bartenders out there who are like considering, you know, maybe I'd like to try a brand one day, this is not something you can do on, a, on the whiff of, of uh, early rag, right? So, yes and no, mate. Um, yeah? There's Because there's probably two paths now and there wasn't back then. Um mm. The advantage I had was there weren't many people. So, as you said, when we won a couple of awards really early on, um, I had Dan's knock on my door, so we watch your product in dance, right? Yeah. And that, I doubt, happens very much. I mean, I think Dan's now get so many uh, applications that at, um, when, when they open up to, to new, new products that they could mm. actually completely take every single gin they've got and replace it twice with yeah. the, the number of applications they get at range review now, right? So so that was my advantage, there's the timing, right? But the the flip side is now you've got the 350K rebate, that allows you to make uh, 1,200 bottles a month um, for the year and not pay a cent in excise. Oh, really? So okay. there's actually a really happy place. If you can sell 1,200 bottles a year, if you can find your little happy place where you've got a couple of markets that you do and you've got four or five bars who are keen to pour your product and and maybe get four half a dozen bottle shops or whatever and you can move your thousand bottles a month and mm. a little bit more at Christmas. There's a really happy place there. Right. And so and to make a thousand bottles, if you've got even a hundred litres still, then that's ten runs a month. So you're talking about, say, two two runs a week, a little bit more, like two and a yeah. half runs a week. So then, and let's say it's another day to bottle it, but then you've got a couple of days a week to actually go out and flog it. You're still working a five-day week, which I aspire to one day. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and you can actually make a, a really happy, nice living there. Now, whether you can keep your brand relevant and exciting and, and because – a month after someone else is going to start a gin brand in the same way. But yeah. if you can get a nice loyal following and I think regionals are really good sp- space for this. Like if you've got something in a, in a tourist town where there's enough people who come by and you can get people at gin distillery and tasting your product and going away from, I don't know, the snowy mountains or a little town in Tassie or, or something, walking away with your product, then you can build a gorgeous little business. Like, and right. Like to be perfectly honest, the 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 economics of that one like are, are magnificent. Like, I've got forty five <laughs> staff now, and I'd probably be better off doing the first way, right? But um, so it is possible. And in terms of cost, um, 
uh, it's that's where it varies so much. Like I started with thirty k when I really? when I started the business, right? And yeah. um, got a few friends and family. They call it friends, family, and fools, um, right? So some friends who um, basically put in five grand each. And one of yeah. them famously said to me, "Look, Jim, if you go broke." can you make me five grand of gin before you, like, go tits up? And I was like, yes. And he's like, here you go. Here's my money. Um, That's not a bad deal, actually. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't. He's all right. He's Um, covered on the upside and the downside. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, look, that that five grand's worth a bit more now. But um, (laughs) so, um, so, yeah, so that's how I started. But you see the other end now and you see the people coming in with a couple of mil and they're – they go. They can do in a year what I did in six years, and right. they've and and they've got deep pockets. So if they've spent a couple of million dollars, then they're also going to spend on the advertising, the marketing, because they now want the shelf space and they want to be on dance and all of those things. So there are different approaches to it, and I, I think you're seeing people with deeper pockets come come to the party. Um, mm. But having said that. Like a, your story so important, right? So if you're the guy who you can see their distillery or the girl and you can see their distillery and you can see what they're doing you can, and they're the person standing behind the counter, it's not, hey, I've got a couple of million dollars, I'm going to get someone, I'm going to buy in a distiller to do this for me. Like, mm. and, if you, and a bit like me, like stepped off the cliff and said, right, I'm going to do this, then people buy into that. People, and so they're – that's the person you're going to buy from at the local market, not the person that you can probably see spent like that's each bottle costs them five dollars because it's covered in gold foil and yeah. got all of these fancy things. I mean, our very first labels were before Old Young's launched were literally um, the craft labels that the Avery craft labels that you get from Officeworks. All right, and and in <laughs> COVID when we did some bottled cocktails. We got the little strip labels and we made these little Negronis and these little Vespers just to give yeah. us something to, to – and same thing. Like So you can be pretty creative and, and honestly, people loved it because they knew this yeah. is a small brand trying to trying to get up and running and people buy into that authenticity. So the answer to your question from about 15 minutes ago is <laughs> um, you can get in on – I reckon – if I was trying to start that size of business, I'd I'd like to probably have fifty to a hundred k in the bank um, oh. if I could do that, um, or a, a, or or a partnership like that would be the like if you look at some of the great uh, success stories in Australian distilling right now, mm. like Four Pillars, three founders. Yeah. Uh, you look at uh, Never Never, like three founders. Like yeah. there, there's a lot to say about having someone that you can bounce ideas off and and uh, and have different people drive different bits of the business. Um, and share some it, risk. It, yeah, oh, absolutely, <laughs> mate. I in in the shed in the early days, um, I there was this big huntsman spider. Yeah, and um, I made him an honorary member of the business because that way. If I had a decision to make, we'd, we'd <laughs> vote on it, both of us. And yep. he'd, he'd, he'd always abstain, but I'd, <laughs> there'd been two people in the business, right? Uh, not joking. Like, um, yeah, me and Spidey maybe, had, had a long-term relationship, like work, working maybe, together and building that business. Sounds like the fumes were getting to you. Uh, yeah, that's definitely. <laughs> wait, so 
thinking about the thing about what we were just talking about and um, you know the size of the business, you're looking to expand Old Youngs, and right now you're taking expressions of interest for uh, you know like a crowd. How, how do you describe it? It's, it's crowdfunding shares. Yeah, crowdsourced funding. So, so yeah. it is. It's ordinary shares. So it's it's a legitimate equity share in the business, and the right. it's a really fun uh, or I think really intelligent. Uh, step that the government took in legislating to allow for this. So normally right. if you want to go and get some money for your business, you've got to go off to, to higher net worths. Or f- I mean, friends, families, fools is your first step, right? Um, but yep. then if you, if you want to go and get some money for your business, you're stuck with probably going to what they'll call high net worths, people who've got a fair whack of cash, and they'll run a pretty uh, rigorous ruler over your business, and it's not their first rodeo. Um, and I mean, it can get pretty brutal. I mean, I've heard stories of people who get significant amounts of cash, but these people are got rich for a reason, and uh, they're mm. they're looking at business, saying, "How do we get control of it off the founder by wow. taking a certain share of it, and eventually we can push him out or her out?" Um, so th- it can be you can you can walk in, you can be swimming with sharks a bit. Um, yeah. And if you're lucky and you get the good ones, then it can be really uh, like successful and positive relationships. So don't get me wrong, but as yeah. opposed to, but you were always going to someone who's going to write, I don't know, for argument's sake, a 10k check to a 100k check, right? And, yeah. Or or north of that. Um, as opposed to now, and so like little Betty down in Balajura doesn't get access to, to that to that business and when it goes ballistic. Like yeah. Pirate Life is a perfect example. Like there were people who got in on that, but like um, there were I'm sure there were people who were sitting there going, Pirate Life is going gangbusters. I wouldn't mind owning a, a thousand bucks worth of shares in Pirate Life and that would have been yeah. a bloody good investment, right? So yeah. that's what crowdsource funding allows you to do is to open up private companies to um, – Mum and dad investors, for want of a better word. Um, right. So, so that's where you see um, people like Republica Frio, like um, uh, Granddad Jacks, like Black Hops Brewing, like your mates, um, go out there and say, "Do you know what? You can own a share of a brewery, or you can mm. own a share of my distillery." And it's yeah. it has two benefits. One is obviously the cash that you generate, and you're able to put it into your business to grow. Um, yeah. And the second is, let's say you bring on a thousand investors. That's a thousand people who are invested in your business. Who the next time they walk into the bar say, "How come you haven't got old young?" And that's yeah, this this second intrinsic benefit of you basically bringing on a thousand BAs um, <laughs> who who um, are pretty excited about the fact. It doesn't matter whether they've got three hundred bucks worth of shares or thirty grand worth of shares. Mm. They love telling their mates that I own a share in that business, and they. They get to share in the success of it, and so that's yeah. that's, I think, actually a really cool. Um, it's a really cool system and really cool structure that crowdsource funding is. And it, as I said, like so, right now we're in this EOI phase. So it's where people say, "Hey, I'm interested. Look, craft producer of the year. Yay! That I want to get involved in that. Um, see what I did there." Um, <laughs> um, that's okay. You can plug the wind. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, um, and yes, and say, look. Yeah, I, I'm interested. And then for us uh, in a couple of weeks' time, um, actually it's a week from today, um, that's when it, those people get to get first crack at um, investing in the business. Right. And as I said, we, we get to set 
um, the amount that we're trying to raise and, and the valuation of the business and the, and the, the fund and the, the level of investment. So, I mean, some people will let you invest for as, as low as 99 bucks. I think I've seen some people will say, look, your minimum investment's a thousand bucks. We'll probably sit yeah. somewhere in the middle of that. Um, but it's, yeah, it's pretty fun. And it's been part of this process is you, you ring people up who are interested. And yeah. it's been so cool having people say, I remember you back in that tasting room back on day one. Oh, wow. um, and, and you would, yeah, stand, standing in your little room and running back because we'd run out of coffee vodka and you'd run up to the shed and bottle another one and bring it down. And yeah. um, so, so people have like seen this business grow over the last six, six and a half years. Uh, yeah. Sitting there saying, "Well, do you know what? I, I get that. I want to. I want a little. A little. I want to go all, along for the ride with that." Yeah. And so, what what is the kind of money that you're trying to raise for this, and what do you want to use it for? Yeah. So officially, I don't get to tell you till um, next Tuesday, but I, I'm doubt the podcast will go out before then. So, um, uh, look, we're probably hoping to raise three mil, but look, anything north of a million dollars would be amazing. Yeah. Um, and it's when you do this, you, you watch the EOIs and we've been told that if we got a thousand EOIs in the first week, that'd be amazing. We got right. 1400 That's and then great. we got told that we'd get no EOIs in the second week because people sign up at the start or sign up at the end, but we've yeah. added another 1200 in, in the last week. Um, and so everything is pointing to the fact that it's going to do well. And there's a little, there's an even like a, little back-end thing that just taunts you because it tells you this is what you might raise um, oh. from this many investors. Because and, um, and But until next Tuesday, until people actually start saying, yep, this is what I commit, yeah. I just don't know. Like, uh, yeah. but So that's I, Tuesday. Everything's the, pointing Tuesday in the right the 7th direction. Tuesday the 7th or something, is it? Tuesday or? the 7th, yeah. Yeah, so this will come and out then, on Wednesday the 8th. Yeah. Oh, outstanding. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so th- well, three million bucks. Um, so, uh, yeah, um, and stays open for two weeks. So it closes on right. the 16th if we don't hit our maximum target sooner. There is one example which is insane in my head. Um, your mate's brewery did raise two and a half million bucks in 74 minutes. Uh, just yeah, 30 grand a minute or something ridiculous. But, like, yeah. Um, yeah, so they just had an engaged audience who loved them. They just had just this huge big sunny coast audience and it just went like that. That's very interesting to talk it's, about. It's been a really, really interesting process. It's it's quite scientific. And it's been, Is this something you think people can use to finance bars and, and that sort of thing? Absolutely. And I think I've seen it. Um Someone's just done it recently. Uh, I'm trying to think. It's the guys behind uh, Everly, I think, used uh, crowdfunding oh, okay. to raise some money. Yeah. Um, so go. absolutely. And I think it's the, that old way of, hey, look, if you, if you, if you give me, if you, if you uh, invest 100 bucks, I'll, I'll give you a bar tab. And if you invest 200 bucks, I'll, yeah. I'll put a brick on the wall and all of those things. I think. If you can say, right, you own a share of this, that's a lot more um, tangible. And mm. I think that's, I mean, I wouldn't mind owning shares in the Everland. That'd be great. Mm. Um, so, right. um, so, yeah, so I think <laughs> if you've got uh, a compelling story and um, then, yeah, I think normally it'd be if it was me, again, I'd, I'd, I'd do the, the friends, family and fools bit first and yeah. get a bit of a track track record and say, hey, look, 
we've been open for six months and this is what we've done, or we've been open for a year and this is what we've done. And and I think if if we can add a little bit of funds, then we, we're going to be able to do this, this, and this. Um, mm. That's the way I'd approach it. I think going in cold is gutsy. And the other thing is also your valuation of your business is going to be is going to be tricky to say, hey, yeah. look, it's a million dollar business, and but also I want a million dollars. You give you away fifty percent of your business right there. Yeah. So um, as opposed to saying, hey, look, we've got a track record and. And now we can uh, say, look, we'd like you to invest 20% of our business, but you don't give give away the house. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm conscious that you've got uh, a lot of things on your plate, so we can wrap this up in a second. But I do want to ask you, what advice do you have for people in hospitality who are, have maybe an idea for a brand or even their own, own business and how, how should they go about going down that road? How should they um, take that same leap off the cliff that, cliff that you did? Yeah, look um, – it's it's a great question, uh, and I was thinking really hard about it before before um, this interview, and um, and I don't have a perfect answer. I think you've got to have a very good sense of what it is you're trying to do, and you've got to be able to articulate it. And I think that's one of the really good reasons that you do try and bring a couple of people in on the at the start, because if you can articulate it to them. And say, hey, look, this is a this is my idea, and this is what I think I want to do. And even if you're saying to them, give me a thousand bucks, but and even if you don't take the thousand bucks, go through the exercise because then you're going to you've got if you can explain it to people in, in such a way that people would be prepared to to give you a little bit of their cash to do it. I think you've got a you've got a start of where you're going to go, um, and you've got a start of you've started to really be able to articulate your story and what you're going to do. And I think. That's the other thing is it can't just be uh, it can't just be I'm going to open a bar right that's yeah. like saying this is my main gym it's got to be <laughs> I am going to open a bar that is going to service the the suburb of Wembley which has got just a great like local presence it's people walk to the corner shop they're going to walk to my bar and mm. um, and we're going to just do sherry right. And yep. Sherry's a thing and we're, we're going to make it work. But like- That business um, is going to fail. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> I'll go. Only, only um, time I would open, by the way, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I think if you can really have that sense, and so it's not I'm going to open a bar, it's going to be I'm going to open a bar that is going to do this, this, and this, and 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 get people excited about that, then you're halfway there. But So it's not just how do I open a bar, like, do I have enough money? Have I put in? Have, I mean, even if you've been stockpiling um, whiskey, um, mm. weird whiskies for the last ten years, and you know you're going to have this really cool bar that's going to have this incredible collection of whiskey, um, how are you going to tell that story? Like, how yeah. are you going to say this is James's weird whiskey bar, right? And and mm. who's going to be interested in it? So, not just the logistics of getting open, but what's his story? I think that's you got to know that inside out. Yeah, that's wonderful. All right, last question for you. Um, I asked specifically of like the bartenders and ex-bartenders who come on the program. Uh, the program. I've never called it a program before. There we go. <laughs> hey. um, <laughs> You've made uh, it. You've made yeah, it. Yeah, right. Well, I'm talking to you. I must have. Um, yeah, of course. What, what, would you, what makes you happy in a bar? What, what is a great bar for you? Oh, I love it. Um, like I love to sit at the bar for a start. So um, I yeah. love to be able to, to chat across that counter and 
that but that's amazing. I love I love to be able to talk to the bartender. But for me, it's that place where you you feel comfortable, and, and the great bars I think make everyone welcome. So I think they're uh, it's the bar where you, it doesn't matter whether it's a businessman walking in at five pm with a having just like needing to keep talking business or a, a group of 19-year-olds who just want to feel a bit fancy or a, um, a couple on a date or me bringing my 29-year-old son in mm. and each person is made to feel welcome. And I think that's what the great bars do is that they, they make <clears throat> everyone feel welcome. And you might have a sense of who's walking into your bar, but it, you shouldn't ever turn up your nose at, <clears throat> at the people who might be slightly outside your demographic or whatever because – that's I think it's also the, the sign of a great bar is that when a, a range of people feel special in it, then you've you've mm. probably nailed it. Um and I think whether that's Black Pearl or Foxtrot or Gresham or, or whatever, right? Or um Cantina Okay or like th- yeah. those bars where you just walk in and feel welcome from day one and and I yeah. think you can usually sense the passion from across the other side of the counter too. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's it's just that. Tr- how do you make it so that it doesn't matter who walks in, they feel special? I love it. That's a beautiful answer, and I think we'll leave it there, James. Thanks for taking the time to talk to me, mate. I was very, very honoured that you asked, and um, yeah, let's do it again. Thanks to James again for the talk, and thank you to you for listening. If you're enjoying these podcasts, then please share them with a friend. It really does help to get the word out there. And give us a rating on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get yours. I really do appreciate your support. Until next time, this has been Drinks at Work from Boothville.